Welcome to Bible Idiots, the teaching platform for Pastor Chris Danielson. Today, he's going to take us to the book of Mark, chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. The title of his message is Learning My Assignment, Telling the Story of Jesus Saving Me. And you put your name in that place of me. He's going to give us some practical things to help us share that gospel message with the people around us, the people that are closest to us, and the people that we love. So Mark chapter 5, verses 17 through 20, learning my assignment. Here's Pastor Chris Danielson. Today, the message is called Learning My Assignment, Telling Story of Jesus Saving Me. Now, that title, that's you talking. You are the me in this title, the story of Jesus saving me. That's what this message is all about. You need to find your assignment for 2024. And if you've already found it, you need to be encouraged and empowered to fulfill your assignment. And that's what Fresh Road uh, Media is about. That's what Fresh Encounter Church is about. That's what the leadership team is about. That's what the ministries that are going on that I'm involved with in Harlan, Iowa is about. And today we're going to go to Mark chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Now let me give you a little background on the chapter first. We're going to start in verse 17, but what's already happened, and you can read it for yourself whenever you'd like, is that there's a man who's demon-possessed. I mean, this dude is out of hand. Legion of demons Jesus casts out of this guy. And many of you know the story, into the pigs. The pigs go over the, go over the uh, cliff. A lot of people's livelihoods are affected and everybody gets out of hand. It becomes chaotic. We pick it up in verse 17. Let's stand for the reading of God's word today. Our worship uh, leader, Marion's out today, but Katie, what a great job. Ken's filling in for her today and having a couple hymns. Was that nice? Oh. So we're gonna stand for God's word again. Verse 17. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Lord Jesus, let these be your words to your children to strengthen us as we end 23 and start 24. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Be seated, please. I want to start out the message today with three memes, I guess you could call them. And the first one, I kind of chuckled at, and... Uh, and then I started realizing how tragic it was. Let's look at it. Jesus is standing at the door knocking. He says, let me in. Why? So I can save you from what? From what I'm going to do to you if you don't let me in. That's kind of funny on one hand. But on the other hand, it's kind of tragic. Because it just is an example of our culture, which has completely missed the point of who Jesus is, and those of us who have let him in. Also, that picture that is so recognizable in the Christian world, 
that is in a story about Jesus knocking on the door of a church. It's, it's at the end of the church that he's walking through the lampstands talking about. Oh, it's nice to put it into evangelistic terms that he's knocking on the door of your heart, but it's really more about a collective letting him in to be the Lord of the church. I found it kind of ironic. I also want to talk to you a little bit before we get totally kicked off in the message today about how depraved our society has become. And it's accelerating. Here's a research poll. And I don't know if you can see it very good. But it says two-thirds of voters oppose an ideology that white people are oppressors. And almost seven in 10 find this idea hurtful to society. You think that's good news, right? Till you look deeper at the research, you see the little red circle there? 18 to 24 year olds, over 70% believe that white people are oppressors. This comes from a demonic curriculum called critical race theory. We're to not be racist, we have to be racist. And who are we racist towards? White people. I don't know if you understand that this is accelerating. It's expected to get worse in 2024. We got deranged progressives blocking traffic. There's a lawmaker, I think it's either Texas or Oklahoma, that wants to make it legal to run those people over. And in my prayer time, I can't find a way to disagree with him. Because I think of my wife having a heart attack and we're in an ambulance and these people are out there blocking the street for something stupid and we can't get through. I saw a sign that I think is one of the most pathetic signs I've ever seen in my entire life because ignorance is just raging through this depraved mind culture. It was in New York City and it was after Israel was attacked and they're all supporting Hamas and there's a group of people who call themselves queers. I'm not calling them that, they call themselves that. And they're holding up a sign that says, queers for Hamas. Do you know how stupid this is? Do you know that if you're in Gaza and you are known as a homosexual, they will call a crowd together, take you on the top of the roof and throw you off just to make an example out of you. But you're gonna hold up a sign? There are many other outrageous things going on. You see it every day, I know you do. Where you say to yourself, I cannot believe I'm seeing this. I cannot believe I'm seeing this. We are living in a time of depraved minds. Biblical, depraved-minded folks around every corner and demanding we all bend the knee to their absurdity. And so this is my last meme before I really kick off the message today. It comes from Lord of the Rings. I wish I need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. And then Gandalf gives us some excellent non-biblical wisdom here. He says, so do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. Bada bing, bada boom. So today I'm gonna share with you what we should consider to be about in 2024, as individuals and as a group. Once you hear what I'm gonna tell you today, it could, should make more sense to you as to why Fresh Encounter needs to be about the biblical truth and not behavior modification. To be a good ground church, 
with Christ truly as its head. A place where you can get strong and serve and where others here are sold out believers who are cheering you on. See, much of my work in 2024 is going to be surrounding helping people fulfill their assignment. Why? Because that's my assignment. Let me explain. My assignment is twofold. Okay, look, we just celebrated our second Christmas together. So it can be said with confidence that I now fully understand my assignment as it relates to Harlan and to Fresh Encounter Church. It takes about a year or two to really see behind the corners, the gray areas of a calling from you know, God for a pastor you know, of a church like this. The history of this church for the last 10 years has been people are coming and going all the time. We do not have membership here. We're just sheep that come to feed together and worship the shepherd. So I came in with a general plan, and my working out that plan with you has been consistent since the day I got here, and the results have been left in God's hands. Now, I had some moments where I got caught up in myself, a little selfish, and I've had to repent of that. But overall, it's been consistent. There's zero question that my assignment comes from the Lord, and I want you to feel the same way about your assignment. My assignment is twofold. First... It is to feed any sheep that come into contact with Fresh Encounter Church. Any sheep will get the good spiritual food from Fresh Encounter Church. Fresh Encounter Church first, always first, but it also includes Bible Idiots, which the leadership team agreed I had to bring with me. I can't separate myself from that brand. Also, no apology with Emily or anything else. Supporting Mike Shaw with his, and as I mentioned, Claire's new talk show that she doesn't know she has yet. (laughs) whatever we can help in whatever area as far as any sheep encountering the good spiritual food from Jesus Christ that's nourishment, that is honest, full of truth and points to Jesus as our total portion, that's my assignment. Now also added on to that assignment, the second part of my twofold assignment is besides the spiritual food that's going to be served, is I'm supposed to be a person in many of your lives to help you identify, then fulfill your assignment. This is the simple reason why I'm the participation guy. Now, make no mistake here. Do not miss this. I am not to identify your assignment. Only to help you once you've identified it. And maybe in that journey, help you identify it. Now, if you don't think you have an assignment... That becomes the first assignment. Follow? Because everyone that is soundly saved has an assignment, and the Lord will reveal it to you as you seek him. And listen now, as you talk openly about what he has done for you. And that's what today is about. Learning my assignment and telling the story of Jesus saving me. Don't forget the me in the title is you. Follow? So this is going to be about you telling your story of what Jesus actually did for you. Now using the man healed from demons in Mark chapter five as our example, I wanna show you three things today. I wanna show you three things. Number one, what you are to tell. Number two, why you should tell this story. And number three, how your story is to be told. So let's look at the brother in Mark chapter five. Now, it's there for you to read earlier in the chapter, and I explained a little bit as we got going. This guy was out there, legion of, whole, of demons, and the whole community was shook up about it. Now he's living in a graveyard. 
He was so violent and full of demonic control that the chains couldn't even hold this dude. He's completely out of control. Attempts were made to control this guy, but he busted up all the restraints. He was in reality worse than a wild beast, completely unrestrainable. Chapter 5 says no one was strong enough to deal with this fellow. Bible says day and night, with no regard for either, day or night, he would be howling, cutting himself, totally out of his mind, untamable, absolutely wild and dangerous. Then he sees Jesus rolling up on the shore. Bible says he freaks. Text says he shrieked. He sees Jesus in the distance and runs up to him and shrieks and bows down. And you know what he says? Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. Now, Jesus had already told the evil spirits to come out by this point. So the legion of evil spirits asked for the herd of pigs. We know Jesus gives them to the pigs. And they go over the cliffs, and then chaos ensues. Everyone is running and telling the tale, and the community gets up in arms. And what do they do? They ask Jesus to leave the area. That's where we started our text this morning. Never mind the miracle of this dude. Never mind that this guy was completely changed. The peeps were outraged about the pigs and wanted Jesus gone from their community. But think about this possessed man now healed. It says he is found fully clothed and in his right mind, some translations say sane. See what Jesus has done? Don't miss this today. In this dark culture we find ourselves in, Jesus can redeem and heal even the most depraved. This is why we don't want to run him over. But we want to. But we don't. You follow? Because Jesus can still save. And many, we find it offensive. Uh, many of our people in our world will find it offensive, especially when it costs them their livelihood, their herd of pigs, Better that Jesus leaves regardless of who he's helped, who he's redeemed, who he's healed. Our guy in Mark 5 has been changed spiritually, physically, and mentally. What a picture of the total salvation that brings to the converted sinner, which is you and me. Jesus literally gives everyone he saves a brand new life. Now this guy, our newfound brother, asked Jesus if he can go with him. Jesus wants, he wants to be with Jesus. But the Lord's assignment was not that he travel with him. Can you hear this guy? Listen to him. Lord, I'm so overwhelmed by what you've done for me. I just want to be your constant companion. I will go wherever you go. I will serve you. And Jesus says no. He said no said that this guy was to be given a different assignment. He was to go and tell his family and friends about the incredible mercy and compassion and new life he received. Jesus is like, I really appreciate the thought. I truly esteem your motive. You want to show gratitude. So show it by going home to your family and friends and telling them what the Lord has done for you, the compassion, the mercy, the great things the Lord has done for you. Now, prior to meeting Jesus, this man did not want to be around anyone. Now that he's saved, all he wants to do is be around Jesus. This is what salvation will do to you. It'll ruin you. Once you are saved, you will want to be around Jesus and his business. 
You will want to go to his house. You will love to be around his people. Wherever he is, that is where you want to be. By the way, something is wrong when you don't have a desire to be where Jesus is. Just saying. And that, my friends, is our assignment for 2024. We are going to be about talking about the incredible mercy of Jesus, telling anyone what the Lord has done for me. And who's the me? It's you. So let's start. Point number one today. What are you going to tell? What are you going to tell? First, you are to tell a story of personal experience. Personal experience. Go to your family and friends and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been to you. You're not to try to repair belief systems. You are not to preach a sermon. Jesus is not asking you to explain doctrinal positions and separate the various denominations into categories. No. You are to tell your story of how you once were a sinner, far from God, and now because you've been touched by the Savior, you are now changed. Tell about what you felt about the spiritual truth that is deep now within your soul. You have no need to talk about what you've read or other spectacular sinners who came to God or other things witnessed by others. This is to be your story. What did Jesus do for you? Personal stories are the best. This is why true stories make the best films. Even ancient writings are well known in this area. Uh, Virgil, the poet, knew this. That's why he wisely had Aeneas tell his own story. Listen, there is no need to embellish. Just simply tell what Jesus did for you. Tell them how you once felt lost and abandoned. You knew you were a sinner. And while in that condition, Jesus redeemed you. You poured out your heart to God. You confessed it all to him and him alone. And tell about how your heart just exploded with joy when you hear your creator God tell you that your sins are now blotted out. Now forever forgotten. And you are now a joint heir with Jesus for all God has for his children. A great example of this in its simplicity is found in John chapter 9. I don't have the scriptures on on for you, but I love this. It's the blind man from birth who Jesus heals. And the religious leaders of the day, the authority of the day, brought him in. And, and back in them days, you only were crippled or blind because somebody in your family sinned. So they grill the parents and they grill him. Who sinned, you or your parents? The parents are like, he's of age, he can answer for himself, we're, we're tapping out. And the dude's sitting there and they're just browbeating him. And he goes, look. Once I was blind, now I'm not. That's the best testimony in the Bible. Once I was blind, and now I'm not. One thing that is essential in telling is that of free grace. It should never be, this is what I added to it, or this is how great I was in this. No, it's not a story of your greatness in any way, shape, or form. This is a story of the great thing he has done. His great mercy, his great compassion. So make it a grateful story. The man in our text told his story and people in verse 20 were amazed. He told it as a person full of gratitude. Look at him. He began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And when you are grateful, you will not be deterred by any of your family and friends who want to give you blowback. It don't matter. 
The gratefulness will be huge and will be full when God has shown you incredible mercy and filled you with his spirit. Maybe you're sharing your story and a friend says, so what? What is that to me? You can answer it, maybe nothing to you, but it means everything to me. Your friend may say, ah, it means nothing to repent. You can say, I found it to be totally different than that. I have found it to be a precious thing. That a sinner like me would confess it to God and what I found was so awesome, no one can tell me that it means nothing. You can look at them and straight up say, in love, if you had found what I had found, you wouldn't be saying that. It is nothing to feel the burdens that I carried for years lifted. It is nothing that I'm free from guilt for the first time in years. It is nothing that my self-inflicted chains are now broken. It is nothing to be made alive for all of eternity. My friend, at the foot of the cross, I received for free that which I couldn't do for myself. That's far, far, far from nothing. No story is worth hearing more than a tale of gratitude. Next, make it a humble story. I fully realize that we are now called saints. Now that we are now children of God, but once you start putting on that royal airs, it changes the tone for those who are listening. We're just childs of the king. I'm just a child of the king. I got the keys to the kingdom. Well, good for you. It's always about what was done for you. I've heard testimonies that make me sick to my stomach. I throw up a little bit in my mouth when I hear them. People bragging about how great they are now. They're just awesome. Very little gratitude for what is done for them. It doesn't have to be this way. Now, I'm not talking about me and misunderstood. That happens all the time. There will always be those who twist whatever you try to say and however you try to say it. You can have the best intentions on sharing a story about this or that or the other thing. And some folks are so stubborn in their, in their own heads, in their own will, they'll only hear what they want to hear. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying let your story flow from the lost sinner perspective. Don't ever forget what you were and who you are now and how you got that way. Tell it like you received it. Tell your story as a lost sinner who has no chance of redeeming yourself. This will always point to the one who was worthy and did the saving. And gratitude will flow from your story. And that has a real chance to impact whoever's listening to you. Point number two, why you should tell this story. First and foremost, the reason why would be for Jesus' sake. The demon-possessed man did all that he did out of love for his Lord. If Jesus loved you and forgave you, then why would you refuse to tell the tale of his great love for you? Straight up, why? Partly is because we let the phrase, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, become like white noise. We've heard it so many times, especially those of us who've walked with the Lord for a while. Communion at Fresh Encounter Church is one of the only religiously things we do in our worship. And I love it. Because it's a way for us to always remember the details of what it took for your salvation. Remember our king sweating blood in the agonizing stress of the Garden of Gethsemane as he faced down the events to come. Sweating blood. 
And I believe part of that was he knew he could stop it. He had the power to stop it. But his love for us was so great, he knew he had to go through with it. So the back of our Lord is just beaten with a whip. Beaten to the point of being unrecognizable, says the scriptures. Our Savior, our King, our God allowed himself to be sacrificed in our place as punishment for what I have done and what you have done by being spiked to a wooden tree and hung there until dead. Do you think we can have so much done for us and then not talk about it? For real? Another reason why to tell your story to your family and friends is to encourage those among you who are redeemed themselves. When you share your story with others, you know, that are saved, other saved people, it gives them joy. It makes their hearts glad. The joy will permeate back to you and now you will want to share with those lost family and friends. And you may say, yeah, that's all fine and good, but you have no clue how lost my people are. Then I would say all the more reason to tell your story. For their salvation could get jump-started by you. Follow? It would be for their salvation if they are lost but you tell it either way. You also tell it for your own personal growth. Talking about Jesus as, you know, what he's actually actually done for you will build up something you are going to need in 2024. You know what that is? It's called a spine. They're coming hard after the righteous next year. They're not even attempting to hide their intentions any longer. The fix is in through almost every major institution, the media, most areas of government, big tech, and the film industry, it's hard to even watch anything created nowadays because they're working overtime to make heroes out of the deranged. There are some of us who are just not going to play along. See, we have a problem. That problem is we have eyes to see and ears to hear. And we're not going to relent. God's chosen are not going to bend the knee to this wicked, insane culture regardless of how mainstream it becomes. This is how you get strong and stay strong. Daily prayer, daily in the word, and then telling your story of the awesome peace and love you received for free to your close family and friends. Well, Chris, I don't feel peace and love all the time. Well, welcome to the club. It's a growth process for sure. But if you have been redeemed, you know that peace and love I'm talking about. You have known it. And you know that you've known it. And guess what? Jesus will keep strengthening you. So you keep on keeping on. Because you know it's true. So the next point may help you. Let's talk about how do you tell this story. How do you tell the story? Well, first of all, you tell it truthfully. There's no need to speak more than you know. Do not tell of C.S. Lewis's experience. Let your story be your story. If you have one, again, this is for the soundly saved. You don't know him, we need to start you there. But for those of you who are saved and you are redeemed, don't go tell your family and friends you felt like so-and-so must have felt. Forget so-and-so. You tell your story from your chair with any and all the flaws that come with you. No need to sugarcoat it anymore. You've been redeemed, so who cares? Just tell it like it is. Let me give you an example. When someone says of me that I'm abrasive, I never, and I mean I never correct them. I don't say, no, I'm not. I know what I am. 
And because of that truth, I just deal with it the best I can most times and try to turn my, back, my story back to Jesus. Yeah, but I'm so much better than before. Jesus has changed me and keeps changing me, and I keep trying to give him the glory in my ongoing sanctification. Oh, yeah, but what about the fruit of the Spirit? Kindness, gentleness, self-control? You're not a very good Christian, Chris. Look, I will never be that soft-spoken version of a Christian some people have in their heads. But I know that I'm better than I was before because of the great love shown to me by Jesus, not just on Redemption Day, but every day. So there's no need to try to become someone you're not. Allow the work of the Lord in your life to grow, but you don't have to fake it. And don't try to be what others expect you to believe, regardless of which side of the Christianity coin they're looking at. Your story, such as it is, your authentic, redeemed life is the story for you to tell in its full truth, whatever that may be. Next, tell it sincerely. Don't talk about your conversion flippantly. I'm talking today about real discussions, real conversations with real people in your life. Chances are they already know there's been a change in you. Many would never, you know, many you would think would never be interested in your story. They are. So make it simple and honest. Follow? Don't play it down. Let them see you mean it. Next, tell it spiritually and reverently. What I mean by this is that make sure you told your story to God first. Spiritually and reverently. Yes, I know you've already had that time of pouring out your heart to the Lord at your conversion. You've already confessed all that. I know many of you keep with repentance daily in your journey with the Lord. I get all that. But what I'm talking about is telling God what you would be telling others. When you do this in your prayer life, you know what will happen? You'll start just, like, without helping it, praising him. You can't help it. So make sure you tell it to God first and he will confirm it to you in that continual renewal so many of us Christians know what I'm talking about. That thing that goes on in your heart. Let your story be one where you have sought out the Lord for your lost family and friends. Bring the need of salvation of those whom you will share before the throne. Remember now, he who has saved your soul from death and covered a multitude of your sins, who holds you in his grip, it is he you're going to share with first, and then the others will be a byproduct of that. Reverence will God will lead you to the right words. Some may share, sure, but mine's going to be a very short story. Really? <clears throat> Let me tell you, once you're standing in front of Jesus, your memory will be enlarged, my friend. When Jesus exposes all of, <clears throat> all of you, Everything about you is laid bare in front of Jesus. Your little storybook you're thinking right now is going to be an encyclopedia. Then you, if you are in fact soundly saved, will most certainly tell of his incredible love, mercy, compassion, and you will be amazed at his goodness for you. While you were a sinner, he saved you. Bet you have a story then, yeah? So speak it now. Next, Tell it privately. Tell it privately. No one's asking you to hold court with your friends, but do it one by one. The story is told of a boarding house that all walks of life, mostly young men staying there, 
And they hired a new cook, and although she was a little bit older, she fell in nicely with the residents there. And one day she thought, I'm going to bring up the topic of salvation and Jesus lifting my burdens and giving me eternal life. She introduced the subject, and the group immediately started to laugh and make fun. She stopped herself and blended back into the conversation. She felt like she had made a huge mistake. Taking it to the Lord, she regained her confidence because he will do that. And she now felt compelled to do it differently. So the next morning after breakfast, she pulled one of them aside and asked to speak in private where she simply shared all Jesus had done for her. Then the next morning, another, and then next morning, another. Safe to say, had she poured out her whole heart to the whole group, it would have probably been met with scorn and most likely flown over their heads. And if the Spirit does use someone's story like this in private, and a person hearing it gets their heart pricked, it's much easier for them to open up one-on-one rather than in a group. So double benefit. You lean entirely on the Holy Spirit to give you the right words as you come to others in this manner. Now think about our brother from our text once again here. He was compelled to declare Jesus. He is told to go home and tell those who know him what Jesus has done for his life. So he went literally to the 10 cities. Some translation call it by its official names, the Decapolis. It was 10 cities right in that region. They were all connected. And he started telling people about what happened and got their attention. The Bible says those who heard were amazed. What a homecoming that would have been, huh? There's no greater testimony in the world than a person who has been saved by grace telling those who are still lost what Jesus can do for them because it first had been done to the one doing the sharing. If you have Jesus in your heart, you won't be satisfied until others have him in their heart. You will want to tell others about him. Has there ever been a day in your life where Jesus passed by, you were, trapped in bondage and sin, and then he sets you free? Have you ever had that day? Have you experienced his life-changing, sin-killing, bondage-breaking power in your life? If you haven't, you can. If you will come to Jesus right now, I will guarantee you that he is here to save you. Ask him to show you the way to come home. Maybe it's a rededication and maybe for the first time. But you start 2024 with the Lord. He may have come this way just for you today. Out of all the people in this room, he might be here just for you. If you are saved and all is not well with your walk with him, then I invite you to come and get that old flame rekindled once again. If not now, then when? Final thought. Jesus said straight up, if you won't recognize me in this crooked and evil generation, then I ain't gonna recognize you when that day comes. It's pretty simple. And yet for some of us, it's so hard. May Jesus touch you in such a way that as you start the new year, you can't help but tell what good things he did for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all of what you've done for us. And Lord, we just ask that if there's anyone here today that needs you, that they would reach out to one of the elders or myself 
We'll pray with them. We'll introduce them to you. For those who've been walking with you but they're weak and they're tired, may you hit them with the spiritual bellows and light that flame again and have them utilize this place, this awesome, holy place called Fresh Encounter Church where we can encounter you in a fresh way every day. Lord, we just thank you. We praise you. We ask you to continue to give us freedom and the ability to speak while there's still time. Lord, help us snatch those from the fire, a la Jude 23. Lord, just be with us and keep us and hold us in your presence. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the teaching ministry of my husband, Chris Danielson. BibleIdiots.com is still the website for this show, but we have grown. The new parent ministry is found at FreshRoadMedia.com. We would love to have you join us on our sister broadcast, a talk show that walks out Christian living and Bible apologetics entitled No Apology with Emily and Chris, a weekly download from FreshRoadMedia.com. Both broadcasts are listener supported and we would love to have you join us as the Lord leads. I'm Emily Danielson and thank you so much for spending some time with us today and may you see the blessings of the Lord as you go and serve your King.